G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. I've been an avid camper most of my life. And more that I actually lived in the Wyoming wilderness for almost two years as a child in a house on a nature preserve. It was a place where electricity was only available by generator and we had to boil water that me and my siblings carried up from the creek. All of this was before I was even 10 years old and if there were emergencies it would be at least an hour before we could get to help or help could get to us. I've hunted dangerous game before as well, not particularly proud of it to be honest but it happened and also seen some weird stuff in the desert. So when I say that I will not venture into the woods of the Cascadia mountain range alone, it's important to know that the wilderness doesn't frighten me easily. So I was 23 years old when a friend of mine, his name was Darren, invited me to a camping trip. The site was a place a few miles up a logging road, so about an hour long hike from an already back road of a back road. It was just me, Darren, and his good friend Wade, the place was from the logging road about 10 minutes down a trail. The moment that we got to the site, I was excited. The small lake was beautiful, barely touched by people over the years. It also comforted me somewhat when we got there to see that within the last month, at least somebody else had camped out there, extra wood by the fire pit. We ate a bunch of chili and hot dogs, but around dusk the guys went off into the woods and they came back with a sealed bucket that they had buried the year before, and we opened it to get some of the MREs that we had stowed in their cache there. It was all in all looking to be one of the better camping trips that I've had in my adult life. That night though was a bit different. For the first time in my life I felt, I don't know, an uneasiness sleeping in my tent. I couldn't quite place it, but chalked it up to just not being used to camping without my dad. Darren bought his 38 special for protection from predators, but he was the only one armed. Anyway, the next day it rained, as it does in the PNW, and we tried to wait it out, but eventually called it quits, packed up, and we just went home. But fast forward to the next year, me and Darren get the itch to go camping again, and I wanted to give that site another shot. In fact, I spent a great deal of effort convincing a bunch of my friends to tag along. In the end, it wound up being six of us and a big white German shepherd. Me, Darren, Wade, James, Charles and Rita, James's girlfriend, and Moogie, the dog. Knowing about the uneasiness felt the last time though, I brought my 12 gauge this time. James wanted to get some unregulated target practice in as well. Shooting stuff that they don't allow at official gun ranges like full cans and gallon jugs and stuff. We also brought a quad with us this time so that we could haul a bunch of extra water, booze and other supplies to make our weekend more comfortable. The first day though, as we're setting up, we hear a loudspeaker playing some music over by the south end of the lake. Which was basically right next to the logging road and this could be seen from the road unlike the year prior. So deciding that we're just being, you know, Americans, 
me and James saunter down to meet the source of the noise pollution. Now, I have to commend the coolness of the cop that was just having a fishing trip. When two large armed men, me with the 12 gauge, James with his 308, emerged from the tree line. We introduced ourselves though, mentioned the others but not exactly where we were camping, just that it was nearby. And that was when stuff got creepy. It could have just been cops doing cop stuff, but this guy really wanted to know exactly where we were going to be. Then he mentioned his favorite spots nearby and really, really wanted us to try these other two spots more miles down the logging road. At that point, it was almost like, I don't know, he was suggesting that that was the only spot where we wouldn't be in trouble. Darren showed up finally though, told us that he spoke to the landowner several years ago and they were fine with us being there. And the cop was mad, but we lied and said that we'd check out the site that he was pushing. None of us trusted the guy when we left, so we decided not to in the end. It was, I don't know, like a horror movie setup almost. The whole shady cop tells us to go to the spot where his hillbilly friends are going to kidnap us kind of vibe. So we move on though, pretty early in the day, so we set up our stuff, get a fire going. We float around in our giant four-person inflatable chairboat thing. The biggest highlight of the day was Charles cut down an entire dead tree with nothing but a small axe. Like the midway point between a hatchet and a, a fireman's axe, I guess, but it was an impressive feat of stamina and strength. It was a good day leading into a good night, but right after it got dark, again, I just felt uneasy. The first thing that worried me was a couple of us heard something big splash into the far side of the lake. We thought maybe that it was Moogie, but he was by the fire at this point, his head now perked up and looking in the direction of the splash. Since we were pretty drunk, we thought maybe the floaty thing might just be compromised, so we went down with the flashlights to pull it out of the water and onto the bank. And then we heard the owl. Charles Wade and Darren were already passed out by midnight. Rita was humming along by the fireplace with Moogie and me and James were out getting some more wood so the fire would last all night. When we heard an owl start up its hooting. It was a cadence that I was familiar with in this area but something was off about it. I have a bit of a gift for mimicking bird noises so what I noticed immediately is the ending hoot was sort of off. It almost always sounds like the owl is rolling its R's as the final hoot of the sequence goes. James, not really as outdoorsy as me, says, That almost sounds like a person, you know. We end up joking, listen to it a couple more times, then I do my own attempt at an owl noise. Silence. For a few minutes, just as I'm thinking that that makes sense because of the noises, it starts up again. But not just one owl, another started up about half a second after the first, the new owl sounding more like an actual owl than the first one that seemed to have started up again, and after the first hoot from the real owl, the fake one stopped short. James jokes again and says, did that owl just tell the other owl to shut up? I decided to shout, better listen to your wife dude. Immediately after I shout, we both hear a, a loud crashing though, almost identical to the sound of the tree falling that Charles did earlier that day. And at this, Moogie starts to go absolutely berserk, barking and growling. 
he had a stink gland issue at this point still, so he was releasing that nastiness as well, and he was threatened, and luckily Rita was there to keep him from bolting. Big as he was, if he really wanted to move, she wouldn't have been able to do much, but I'm absolutely in fear at this point. I will reiterate too that I have hunted mountain lions and bears in my life and at no point during those hunts was I as shaken and genuinely afraid as this. I was paralyzed for like an entire minute. I shout across the lake, whoever that is you better get lost because we have plenty of guns. Then silence again, luckily too for the rest of the night. I didn't fall asleep until Darren woke up, basically at sunrise, so I missed breakfast and a morning dunk in the lake. Uh, the others all did before I got up needing to go to the toilet real bad. Uh, James had already explained the noises to the others by the time that we were all ready for our different adventures. Darren, Wade and Rita just wanted to listen to the radio and chill. Moogie had run off just after lunch and we decided to go look for him while also investigating the area of the noises last night. But almost immediately, when we get to the other side of the lake, the hair stands up on the back of my neck. Charles also feels creeped out, but he had an axe. I had a shotgun, and James also had a rifle and his 45 holstered on his hip. So we pressed onward, looking for probably a couple of hours. I was mainly trying to see if we could spot any trees that had fallen, but then we made it to the eastern bank of the lake, and we were camped on the western side. What the... Charles says, causing me and James to come rushing over. There, we saw what looked like a human footprint. Just one. But it was very clearly a footprint in the mud. Even had a little pool of water still in it too. Now, to be honest, my first thought was Bigfoot, so I took off my boot and compared sizes. I'm a pretty big guy with pretty large feet as well, so it wasn't a surprise that my clod hoppers dwarfed this footprint when I put my own print down next to it. But what was weird was that the other print, where the pinky toe would be, looked like, I don't know, like another big toe maybe. We also found several downed trees, but none that looked recent, so we decided to go around to the North Lake and back to the others and do a sort of full circle around. Moogie was fine, and as soon as food smells filled the air, he came running back. And we all had a pretty good day again, to be honest. Drinking, feasting, and making fun of each other for being paranoid. We heard some gunshots a little close that day, and then called out to warn the shooters that there were people and animals nearby. The shooters of us actually went to meet the people, and all of us but Darren and Wade joined the old guy and his wife shooting at whatever we could. Part of me was thinking that anything that was lurking around here sure as heck would not mess with us now. But boy, was I completely wrong about that. So, a brief mention about Charles. Ever since we were kids, Charles has had vivid night terrors. Most of the time, it's just funny, but some of the time it's actually a bit scary. He'd full-on sleepwalk as well and have conversations with you even while still asleep, but... Anyway, we had all gone to bed and I was one of the first due to getting like four hours sleep and being quite rum drunk at this point. Hey, who's that? Captain, stay in your tent. Charles, who was sleeping on a tarp by the fire instead of in a tent, said, or I should say shouted at this point. I shot up, grabbed the shotgun and turned on my flashlight. 
What's wrong? I shout. Adrenaline filled my entire existence. I could feel my heartbeat pounding in my ears. Come closer to the fire. No, don't crouch down. Use your words. He keeps shouting. Finally, stirring awake James and Rita, who were in the tent closest to Charles. What the... James calls out. Moogie starts growling and apparently let off the stink land again in their tent because him and Rita are like, oh, Moog, gross, and... But then I hear, there's somebody sneaking up on Captain's tent. Get out here. I start to unzip my tent. Not you, Captain. Stay in there. He's right next to you. Now, everybody else to this day denies hearing this, but I swear that I heard something whisper, Captain, before hearing a twig crunch right outside of my tent. James makes it out of his tent, and seconds later, I hear him laughing. It's just the water stump. Charles is having a night terror. But then, Charles claimed that he wasn't dreaming. But when I got out and I shined the light on the stump, he agreed that that had to be it. We put one of those big sort of jugs of water on the top of a stump, and it could easily be mistaken for a white shirt standing in the dark. Satisfied, too, that... There wasn't actually anything there. Despite my protests, we all went back to bed. Charles stayed in the tent for the rest of the night and I decided to spend the rest of the night on watch. That, though, was one of, if not the most terrifying nights of my life. Because I heard more activity in those woods than I had heard before. Moogie, too, would wake up and borf multiple times as I'd hear twigs snapping off in the trees. Then I heard a really big snap that had to have only been about 10 feet away. At that, I jumped to my feet, whipped over to where the noise was and shined my light. Now, I've seen enough deer butt in my life to know what I saw running from me. What was not normal of the deer, however, is that they don't stand up and run off on their two legs like that. Moogie howled and snarled. I took aim, letting my light drop, and I just fired. I didn't care that it turned to run. I just unloaded. There were booms straight until I ran out of all six shells that I had loaded. Everyone else was freaking out and rushed out of their tents. I told them what happened, and after that, nobody went back to bed until the morning. Thankfully, nothing else happened that night. And I think Moogie refusing to leave the tent was what allowed the others to take me seriously enough. He was a brave dog after all, sweet, and if other dogs messed with him at the park, he knew how to throw down, but this night, he was different. The last thing that happened too on that last day was that Darren and Wade went to go bury the bucket after putting some fresh new supplies in it. They'd always known where the cache was buried because there was a, a different stump that they used as a landmark. And that entire stump was just gone. It was there when we retrieved the cache two days prior, but now it had vanished. No signs of it being uprooted, mind you, dragged or even disturbed. It simply was as if it just never existed. We genuinely all thought that we had just made a mistake too until... We found the hole for the bucket that we'd made before, still dug and with the little poncho stuffed in it. And that just made absolutely no sense to us. Well, I'm never coming back here now, so we may as well take this stuff with us, Darren said, and 
After that, we all agreed and we all just left after lunch. So, that is why I will never go hiking in the Cascade Wilderness, at least without a firearm and at least two other people who know how to use them. I don't know what all that was about that night when we were camping at that place, but whatever it was, I'll never forget it. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. What comes to mind when you picture the perfect roommate? One who comes when you call? One who doesn't forget to lock the doors? One who doesn't steal your milk just a little bit at a time, hoping you won't notice? At Apartments.com, they understand that. When it comes to roommates, a pet can be your best bet. They're easygoing, eat what you serve them, and never clog the toilet. That's why they have the most pet-friendly rental listings on the internet. And with instant alerts, you'll know the moment your perfect, pet-friendly place becomes available. So, when you need a place that's pet-friendly and human-tolerant, check out Apartments.com, the place to find your pet-friendly place. So this happened 10 years ago now, but I still remember it vividly. This was when I was 18 years old and lived with my parents and siblings in a small town that was right near the Rocky Mountains in Canada. It was summertime and maybe about 11.30 at night. It was a clear night with good visibility too. We no longer live in that town but we are too far from it now too. My friend, who was 17 at the time, also lived with us and she was with me and saw what I saw as well. So... At the time, my family and I were part of what we have now come to know as a cult. This is relevant to the story because it was why we were out late and my parents' door was locked as well. Me and my friend were told that we had to live with the leaders of the cult at this time. It's irrelevant to go into why for this story, but the cult leader's house was across the back alleyway and a few houses down from the parents' house. We didn't want to live with them, so we would spend as much time as possible at my parents' house and leave very late at night to go to the cult leader's house. Like I said too, it was around 11.30 at night, summertime, clear night, when we leave my parents' back door to head to the cult leader's house. My mum locks the door behind us, turns off the lights and I assume goes to bed. My friend and I walk out through our backyard and are in the alleyway, our backyard has no fence to it, it just goes straight into the alleyway. But we turn left as the cult leader's house is a few houses down and across the alleyway, with a sort of slow incline and a bend. I'm hoping that makes visual sense, but 
Behind us, the alleyway stretches a good five or so houses back, straight. And right as we step into the alleyway, we hear garbage cans from behind us, about a few houses distance behind us, being knocked around. I can only describe this like, imagine someone clumsily knocking into them and trying to stop them from falling down, but they keep knocking them in any case. Because we live right near the mountains, we're used to a ton of wildlife in the town. Bears, cougars, sometimes even moose. So my initial instinct is that it's a bear and we've startled it while it was getting into someone's garbage. I immediately panic and am wondering if we go back through the yard and bang on my parents' back door that's locked. Or if we make a quick break for the cold house because it's most certainly unlocked. I'm making these calculations very split second because it's all happening so quickly. My friend starts saying my name over and over and grabbing my arm. She's looking back towards the garbage cans while I'm trying to plan what to do. Then, all of a sudden, she screams and I look over my shoulder without really any time to think or process at all. And then, I see it. It was huge and flying. It swooped over our heads maybe four feet above us, and continued up higher, maybe getting to about 15 feet. Again, no time to think, we were both just screaming and yelling at this point. But here's the kicker, it flew right towards the cult leader's house, it banked between cult leader's house and the house beside it, and flew out of sight. When it banked, we had a really clear view of it too, as the streetlights across the alleyway sort of illuminated it well. And... I'll describe what it looked like and how, to this day, I just cannot fathom that it could be anything other than paranormal. So its wingspan was about 8 to 9 feet long, maybe larger even. It was inky black, I mean just totally the darkest black that I can describe. I've never seen anything like it before or since color-wise. It had no distinguishable features, no feathers, no head, no eyes, no beak, no legs, nothing. The best way that I can describe it, in fact, is that if you imagine sort of like a huge stingray, minus the tail and much, much larger, longer wings. My friend describes it like, imagine a shadow of a large flying creature, but a much more solid, darker shadow. It wasn't transparent. Like, if you touched it... You would feel it for sure, or at least you would think you would. Mind you, it made no sound, other than the smashing of the garbage cans, so it definitely was a, a physical being, and flew so beautifully, so smoothly, I guess you could say. The way it banked between the houses was so effortless, and with it being so large, it was impressive. Anyway... We were totally stunned, shocked, and really, really frightened. We stood there for a short time watching to see if it would come back, but it never did. Eventually, we gathered ourselves and decided to go to the cold house, even though that was the way the creature went, because the door would be unlocked. And when we got inside, we immediately went to one of the leaders. It was the woman. There were two, a man and a woman, and told her everything as best as we could, totally freaked out and shaken up. And when we were finished, she paused and looked at us for a while with a strange look on her face and simply said, and I remember this verbatim, where there is great light, there will be great darkness. And then she just walked off. 
My friend and I stayed up for hours by the front door looking out, wondering if we would see it again, but we never did and we never actually saw it again afterwards either. I have since that experience attempted to Google on quite a few occasions and really haven't found anything even remotely similar to what we saw that night. So I guess my question for all of you guys is, has anyone potentially seen anything like this? Or does anyone have any insight? If you do, then I would love to hear from you. Also, thank you a lot for hearing me out. So this happened to me as a teen. I must have been about 16 years old at the time, so maybe about 12 years ago. My sister and I were having two friends stay over for a sleepover one night. It was in the middle of the summer and we lived in a tiny town, actually a hamlet, and was surrounded by prairies, lots of farmland. My sister and the one friend, they fell asleep fairly early on in the night, but my other friend and I stayed awake chatting for a while. We had our mattress on the floor, right by the three big windows in my sister's room, where on the second floor... These windows looked out to the street below and then across the street to our left was an elementary school. The parking lot for that school was in the middle of our view and then next to the parking lot, more towards our right, was a farmer's field. So we stay up chatting until 2.33 in the morning, windows are wide open as there's a lovely warm breeze coming in. And suddenly my friend stops the conversation and says something like, Oh, who's that? I follow her gaze and see that she's looking toward the farmer's field. I see two figures coming out of the field. It's obviously dark and they haven't yet come into the streetlights, so I can't make out any features yet, but I assume it's just some of the kids in the neighborhood. My friend and I continue to watch in silence as these two people make their way into the streetlights and start coming directly toward the house. Now... I really assume that it's someone that I know because there's a few teen boys that would often be out late. Men would come to the house and talk to me and my sister from the window sometimes. As they're getting closer, we begin to make out their appearance and I was absolutely shocked at how they looked. These two individuals couldn't have been taller than five feet. They were identical in all features that we could make out anyway and I mean absolutely identical. They were both Caucasian, white-colored, they both had totally bald heads, and they were both wearing the same long brown robe with a tie at the waist. How I would describe it is that they sort of looked like they were in monk attire, I guess. They honestly just looked like little people. Even though they clearly don't look like anyone that I know, as they're coming towards the house, I begin to call out to them in a sort of loud whisper like, Hey, hey you, and... Then I start yelling out names of the different people in town that I know. I think I was in a bit of disbelief and thought that maybe it was a prank or something. All the while, my friend is totally stunned into silence. These beings make it just up to my parents' cars parked outside. So we have a very clear view of them at this point. And then they immediately turn on themselves and go back in the direction towards the field. They never once acknowledge my calls too. They didn't even seem to look up, but they also appeared to be in discussion with each other, though my friend and I didn't make out any sounds coming from them. 
We continue to watch them make their way back across the road and then instead of going back into the field, they start walking down the road. We watch them until, well, we can just no longer see them. If you follow that specific road, it just leads to more fields, mind you, and away from any houses. My friend and I stayed up for another hour talking about what the heck we saw. She's a, a pretty devout Christian, so believes that it was demonic. Me, personally, I have no idea. It very well could have been demonic, I suppose, but it's also just so, I don't know, random. The next day, we told everyone and... They all seem kind of freaked out by it, even my parents. And I just have so many questions. Like, why did they come towards the house, only then to turn back on themselves? I've wondered if they intentionally did it. Like, they knew that we were there and wanted us to see them or something. Why were their appearances absolutely identical? Why bald, short? Why the brown robes? Also... What's up with them being out at like 3am in a field? I have googled and I haven't been able to find much. I did find an obscure YouTube video of a lady saying that she was visited by seven beings that sound exactly like what my friend and I saw, but I haven't found anything else. This lady said that they're interdimensional beings that know the future apparently. I don't know about that, but anyways... I would love to hear if anybody else has seen these beings or what your thoughts are. And thanks for listening. So, some other people have asked me to share more of my experiences regarding the time that I spent in the cult. Paranormal encounters that started happening in the home and when we moved to the same town as the leaders, even more started to happen too. To recap, I've shared some experiences already. The first was when my friend and I saw two small beings coming out of a field at 3am in long brown robes with bald heads, identical to each other. The second experience was when another friend and fellow cult member and I saw a large blacker than black being fly over our heads. It was formless and about 8 to 9 feet across. And when I say formless, I mean it had no distinguishable features. No head or eyes or arms or legs or anything. This happened in the alleyway between our house and the cult leader's house too. So, another experience that I had was a little different to those. During our time in the cult, the leaders decided that I should move in with them. I think I mentioned this in a previous story too. They had five teenage girls living there at the time. I was one of them. One evening I was doing my homework on the kitchen table with the same friend who saw that flying black creature with me when suddenly, out of nowhere, my back started stinging and I mean really burning sort of stinging. I was irritated by it and was trying to reach around to feel what was going on. Finally, after a minute or so, I asked my friend to have a look as it was really starting to bug me. I roll up my shirt and she stares at my back in confusion. I ask her what she sees and she tells me that I have three long scratches down my back. They look like cat scratches but much too big to be a cat scratch. The scratches were spaced apart too wide to be a cat and they also didn't have a cat anyway. She seemed quite freaked out by it so I go to the bathroom to view it myself. They're pretty much centered down my back and also behind my bra strap and there was just no way that I could reach that. 
To be honest, I wasn't too worried at the time though. I mean, I just figured that it had somehow happened earlier and I was only feeling it then for some reason. But then this happened again, a couple of months later approximately. I was playing a computer game at the desk in the room that me and two other girls shared and when I felt that sting or burning sensation again, exactly like before as well. Again, I try to reach around and feel what was going on. I go to the bathroom and lift my shirt. I see three scratch marks again, very similar to the ones before, but not quite as long and a little off to the side this time. I was a little worried this time, but told myself that it must be due to the clothing that I'm wearing or something. I put it out of mind and never thought about it until years later when I heard about this phenomena happening to many others too. The next one happened before I moved out. My sister and I were in her room in the basement. It was late morning. Next to her room is the utility room and then the stairs going up. Her bedroom door was closed and we were just chatting and hanging out in her room. We were about to go upstairs when out of nowhere we hear this growl or roar coming from the utility room area. It wasn't like any growl that I can explain because... It wasn't like a dog growl or a big cat growl or anything. If I had to describe it though, it had that sort of deep low sound of a large cat like a, a lion or a tiger perhaps. And it had a similar volume to a large cat as well, but maybe closer to a bear maybe? It's hard to explain, but when I first heard it, I was so confused and immediately frightened, obviously. My mind was racing wondering how on earth I was hearing what sounded like a wild animal in the house. We didn't have a dog either, by the way, but then my mind went to, it must be someone walking a large aggressive dog outside, even though it didn't sound like a dog, and the sound is carrying through the walls weirdly or something. I was trying to make sense of it is what I'm saying, but something primal inside kicked off, I think, and because I became filled with dread... The growling got louder and it sounded like it was making its way towards her door. I looked to my sister with panic and see that she is frozen on the spot. Her face was filled with fear and also confusion. I remember actually wanting to escape out of her bedroom window at that point. My sister told me to stop and be quiet but I couldn't. The growling was getting louder and closer and seemed to be right outside the door now. I couldn't just do nothing as well so I started screaming for my mum just calling out to her over and over. The growling immediately stopped when I did that too. I keep my screaming up for a minute or so and then I stop and we listen. There's no growling anymore and it's totally silent. My heart is pounding and I tell my sister that we have to run out. She tries to stop me but I open the door anyway. I quickly look around and we don't see anything so... I race upstairs with my sister right behind me. We run to my mum and we tell her. Another incident that happened involved a time again when I was in my sister's room. I had decided to sleep in her room that night. We had just gotten into bed and were talking. And almost as soon as our conversation ended, when the room was totally silent, a voice came from the end of the bed and broke that silence. It was a loud whisper and it said my name as clear as day, just my name, nothing else. I couldn't tell if the voice was male or female, but it was just a, a very loud whisper. I immediately grabbed my sister and said her name. 
I was completely freaked out, obviously, and she responded right away and said, I heard it too. At that, I was terrified. I clung to her trying to process what we heard and what could be the possible cause, and she said that we mustn't give it attention. I couldn't stay there though, so I got up to get a glass of water and to calm down. I slept on the couch that night too, and I was just completely terrified the entire night. Anyway, I'll have to share more stories another time because this is already getting a bit long, but yeah, those are just some of the experiences that I had there at that cult. I still don't know how to explain many of them, but they are things that just stay with you, I guess. About 10 or so years ago, when I was a teen and still living with my parents, a very strange and creepy thing happened. In this particular house, we had all sorts of strange things going on. Too much to include now, but this particular incident was really unsettling. It was very late at night, maybe early morning hours even, very dark outside. The whole house was asleep. I have four siblings. My brother's room was across the hall from my parents' room and my sisters and I slept in the basement. My parents awoke suddenly to the sound of my youngest brother's voice, five years old at that time, screaming out at my dad, just yelling dad, dad, dad over and over again in a, a loud and terrified voice. My dad jumps out of bed and rushes to my brother's room. It takes him all of like three seconds to get to my brother's room. When he opened the door, the yelling suddenly stopped. He saw both my little brothers fast asleep. He gently whispered to the brother whose voice that he had heard and tapped him to see if he was having a bad dream or something but got no response. My dad thought that that was kind of weird but just chalked it up to some kind of a nightmare or dream response. He walked back to his room but no sooner did he get back into bed, literally the moment that he sat down on the mattress... They then heard my voice, this time screaming out to my mum, 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 over and over again. They said that I sounded completely terrified, just like how my brother sounded, and like I needed help, and that it was exactly my voice, just like it was exactly my brother's voice. But this time, the sound was coming from outside of their open bedroom window, where the backyard and the back alley is. My mum and dad looked at each other, perplexed. My mum jumped out of bed this time and decided to come and check on me in the basement, even though the voice was coming from outside. She makes her way down, and I remember this part. She woke me up in the room and asked me if I was calling out to her. I was groggy and tired and thought that she was being weird, and of course I said no, and I fell right back to sleep. As she's making her way back up the stairs, she hears my voice again, the same terrified voice screaming out to her, but from the front of the house this time. She stood by the big front window in the living room and looked out onto the street, but there was no one out there, not even a, a car driving by. It was totally still, and the screaming suddenly stopped. At that point, she knew that there was something sinister going on. She went back to bed and her and my dad talked for a bit and prayed and then they went to sleep. They didn't hear the voices again that night, but the next day she told us what happened and obviously we were pretty terrified. 
She said that it was uncanny, the likeness to mine and my brother's voice. I even did an impression of what the voice could have sounded like, and my mum said yes. It was the exact same tone, sound, everything. So, I'm wondering if you guys have any theories as to why this happens. Why these mimic beings take an interest in people. My gut says that it's just to mess with us and scare us, but I am curious as to what others think. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one.